deeper down the rabbit hole. Saturday, 6 p.m., live in Toronto, Ontario, at the Queen City Curio Occult and Spiritual Store. So, fuck technical difficulties. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's how we're going to start off. Fuck technical difficulties. Um, but we have a, a former co-host of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole on today with Stephanie and Riser. And she really needs no introduction because now she's got like 50 demon books, maybe 70 demon books. I, I don't even know at this point. There's so many. I, I can't even count on my hands how many books on demonology actually has and for those watching on various channels we're going to try to zach's going to try to pass the link through with me real fast to get us caught up to speed but still make it entertaining despite a 15 minute late start because face because our software glitched and i don't know i I, I, was hard. That, I was joking that our cloud software was that the demons were angry with me for not finishing projects with stephanie and and they're like letting me know by having obstacles that could be avoidable, but no, nope, no, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Just, just get your get your stuff done, or else, you know, here we'll cut you off. No speaking for you. So that running joke, but maybe not a joke. Maybe not a joke. Um, it could be true. Could be. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Well, welcome to back to the show, Stephanie. So we've had a whole few conversations on demonology the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Not oh, yeah. everyone agrees. So we wanted to kind of start it off with maybe having a, a discussion because, you know, when you see something like the Goetia or various de- demonology, everyone has an opinion from Hollywood down a certain methodology of ceremonial magic to a certain sort of shared methodology of damnologers. And maybe it could kind of bring us into the fold of, well, first, the obviousness is how ridiculous Hollywood is. But then second about, you know, about how different maybe the perspective is that you would have than a classic ceremonial magician on summoning mm-hmm. demons. Oh, well, you know... There's a, there's a lot of different uh, schools of thought there. I mean, first we have to look at what does each individual think a demon is? Is it an evil spirit from Christian mythology? Is it a helper spirit of some sort? Or is it a divine intelligence? And demonolators tend to look at it as their divine intelligences. So they're not these evil, malevolent little beasties of Christian mythology. Um, Because a lot of demons of Christian mythology were gods of previous religions. Mm -hmm. So, and the original meaning of the word demon was uh, divine intelligence or replete with wisdom. It's like everyone had their personal demons um, pre-Christianity. So, uh, so the ceremonial magic view oftentimes has a very, um, because it's very steeped in, in Christian mysticism, um, does have that, you know, evil malevolent spirit aspect and it also depends on the ceremonial magician i mean if they believe in the the spirit as as an actual like as an actual spirit as its own entity 
versus whether or not they view that as like an energy source or a force of nature in the universe, um, or if they, they view it as a part of themselves or as a part of their psyche, because there are ceremonial magicians who view that too. And therefore commanding the demon is basically, um, basically kicking your own ass, uh, you know, um, so pushing into submission that part of yourself that's causing you grief or whatever that may be holding you back from your success. Um, so there's all of these, there's such a broad view of what a demon is and um, whether or not, you know, it, whether or not the person's background is from a Christian, a Christian background or a more pagan background uh, whether or not, I mean, ultimately, I mean, when you're working with demons, intent is everything. And I think that's true for all magic, right? Um, it's all about your intent. So, um, so with demonolators, the difference is, is instead of kicking our own asses or, or trying to beat spirits into submission based on mythology that we don't believe, um, we tend to want to work with that, that spirit or that force and I often say demonic force because um, I, I think it's somewhat hubris on my part to actually uh, say that I know exactly what a demon is. I mean, I know there's some sort of, you know, sentience and intelligence there, clearly. But it's not just, you know, a lot of people view spirits as just they're just like us, but they're, you know, they're in the ether somewhere. Um so it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, it, so it really depends. So there is a lot of disagreement um, because there are so many varied perspectives on this. And so the demonolator thinks that working with the demonic in tandem and being respectful, because that's what worship means. Worship means to respect and hold in high regard. A lot of people erroneously think worship means groveling. Um, so we respect the demonic and we work with them. <laughs> In order to save that question now, <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I mean, so so we we prefer to work with them, and even if it is a part of your psyche, you can still work with part of your psyche. Psyche, maybe you don't need to kick your own ass. You know, some people do. I I mean, I get that, but um, so I don't know that there's like necessarily a wrong or a right perspective. It's just that as demonolators, we don't we don't believe in having to you know, kick our own asses and, and be rude or commanding or so arrogant to believe that we can control a demonic force. So I, mean, I think, I think it's never gone well for all the stories I hear of people, whether or not they believe it's internal or external, doesn't really matter on the outcome. It doesn't seem to go well after a while. Um, now, in classic Goetia and classic demonology, you basically threaten them to either uh, comply or else. And even if you think it's in your head, it still seems to blow up in people's faces continuously after about six months to a year. Um, where they might have gotten stuff for a while, it sort of works at first, and then, boom, it all blows up. Where that hasn't been my experience with not treating them that way or treating them more like in the worship way, which is a contentious term, that definition of worship. I don't know that everyone would agree with. Um, right. But to hold it in high esteem um, as opposed to grovel. 
which is an important point. I think that that we should talk about. There's a lot of people who openly worship demons in the not hold in high esteem either, um, or or worship gods, but not in the hold in high esteem either. It's, it's more like groveling, and maybe we could talk about that for a little because I think that's important because. I think when people think you're working with demons and you're worshiping these demons, they're like, what? What you're going to do, you know, stupid things like, but that's not what you're saying. Exactly. I think so. We need to maybe clarify that a little. Right. Well, and you know, there's been like, it doesn't help that there's been like a modern trend of people, you know, um, doing a lot of, you know, where they, where they've basically just taken Christianity and replaced it with demons. Um, so you have a lot of that too, where it's like, you know, people just, you know, want to ask the demonic for stuff and they want to health them with offerings. And, and I mean, I get that the whole offering thing. I mean, that, that goes back to, you know, some of the earliest religions leaving offerings for, for deities. And I get that, but it doesn't always work. Right. And, and so it's, so that wasn't really a part of the demonic tree I grew up with. I mean, yeah, we, we put the, certain things on the altar as like an offering to the spirits, but it was all symbolic. Every single bit of it was symbolic. And so it had something to, to do with like putting your psyche in the right mindset for working with these spirits. There's always a psychological factor to it or some sort of symbolism that helped you better identify with what you were doing exactly. So it wasn't so much like, oh, here, I'm going to give you like all this fruit or whatever in hopes that I'll get some prosperity. Oh, great one. So, you know, um, so there is that, uh, there's that distinction. And it kind of drives me nuts a little bit for people who just like, they build an altar and then they just do nothing but leave offerings. And I, I get that they want to express maybe devotion or whatnot, but I found with the demonic that, some of the best devotion, some of the best offerings you can actually give them is your time and your attention and paying attention. Because one of the things that I, I tell people is demons, the divine intelligence, it's here to teach you lessons because people are like, well, what did they get out of it? Well, it's divine intelligence. Why does it have to get anything out of it? It's, it's, it exists. It permeates the universe. And the whole purpose of it is to, is to elevate your level of consciousness, your emotional intelligence, your um, your wisdom about about your your uh, relationship to the universe on a grander scale, and that sort of thing. So, so when the demons will like you, someone gets a backlash, it's because they're trying to teach them a lesson, and either they're really thick and they just don't get it, or they actually do. They actually understand it and go, oh, okay, I get the lesson that, that they're trying to impart on me from this experience. So if something well, backfires, that's often what it is. We're, we're often com coming to a position where there's a lot of assumptions, sort of meta assumptions going into that. Like mm -hmm. first, that their divine intelligence is like um, that. Second, they basically have your best interest at heart or maybe not best interest at heart, but they just are what they are as divine intelligences. Mm -hmm. um, and third, that the backlashes are 
feedback. kind of feedback. I, I might agree with some of these. Divine intelligences, you know, depending that depends on how you define divine intelligences, right? But it's also a matter of the fact that, you know, the devotion without connection or gnosis or I mean, you can put as much as you want on the altar. If you're not, if the vibration's not right, it's not right. It's never, it's never seen. It doesn't matter what system you're in. It's sort of, right. it's there. You added food. You've never rung the bell, so something can't even see this beautiful altar. And unless you are very attuned to the spirit building the altar itself, this is not true if you're super attuned already to the spirit because at that point building the altar itself with intention can ring the bell by itself but if you're not vibrating and getting the vibration and that's not the exact words but you're not hitting the vibration there's nothing to see it they don't can't well they can't see, see it, it. <laughs> right or they can't experience it it's just yeah. there and i think your altar comment kind of goes to this there's a lot of sort of I mean, it's been a continual theme the last few, and restart of our show, like a lot of the kind of TikTok witchery is a lot of show, and they don't get a lot of results. And you're like, well, be, and it basically comes down to what you said, the Christian mentality of, well, God decides. Well, maybe, but demons usually will at least give you a response if they're not going to do something. Yeah. And plus, that the, I mean, they usually will tell you, I'm not going to do that for you like or something they're not gonna you if you call them up and they actually get something to show up they're not gonna beat around the bush generally speaking uh and say oh yeah well i'll take your offerings and run it'll be like no <laughs> fast food right there grab and go yes yeah, it's kind of like fast food right well, and I, I also think, I, I also think, yeah, I think it is also a matter of like, there are some spirits like, you know, everyone says as above, so below, um, that doesn't mean that they're just like us, but you know, in, in some of, on some other plane of existence, that more means like, you know, um, each of us as individuals, as individual magicians, we each have our own correspondences too. And that spirit has its own correspondences. Sometimes when you mix those two together, even al alchemically speaking, I, those things do not mesh. Like there are spirits that are just like, yeah, no. And there are spirits that, you know, that magicians themselves will be like, yeah, no. Which is why you get like, you know, a bunch of people will say, who will say, oh, Belial is great to work with, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll have people come up with, oh, no, Belial's terrible. Belial was like really, you know, vicious toward me or whatever. Um, and not good I've for started, beginners. And that's I've why. sort of started to call that an allergic reaction more than Belial. Like, you have an allergy um, to that particular spirit. No, no, I mean, I know it sounds no, funny. We but know, it, but it's true. It's, it's, it's like a spiritual allergy, like allergic reaction that you call something up and there's all these odd things and then you interpret it as a negative response from the spirit, which is not human, doesn't mm -hmm. have human emotions. It might cause human emotions but that doesn't mean it has human emotions right right it doesn't have a consciousness anywhere like any consciousness we have now that's not to say it doesn't have a consciousness or it is not possible it has independent thought 
but that thought is basically alien to any kind of human uh, fourth dimensional thought that we can kind of conceive of in linear time. It's just not going to happen. Right. And that thing is going to get so angry because you summon it and tear you apart as if it's a Greek story. No, you're having an allergic reaction. For some reason, your system is reacting poorly to the energy. And right. that's the way I've started to think about it. It's like an allergic reaction and not a, the spirit doesn't want to work with you. Like right. it's, you're having a negative allergic reaction to whatever spirit you're summoning, either from a Judeo-Christian upbringing or, you know, maybe just because that is actually part, you're touching on a shadow issue by even summoning spirit. Oftentimes, like, let's face the facts, you wouldn't be summoning a demon, generally speaking, unless you had an issue that you wanted to resolve or try to to fix. So it's probably already an issue. Right. Right. Well, and, and this, oh, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no. I, well, I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, and, and to that point, we do tend to um, anthropomorphize spirits. So, you know, we try to make them human-like because that's the way our brains work. Like, this is like that. This is like that. And that's just how we perceive the world as, you know, physical beings. So it's really easy to do that. I mean, we, we even associate genders with specific spirits, even though they are completely genderless. And, you know, um, we view things in, as positive and negative, even though they're very neutral. And it's and, and we view them as having motivations when we're projecting that onto them. It's not that they actually have a specific motivation. Maybe they have motivations, but they're certainly not going to be the kinds of motivations that would drive us. Right. We got to pay rent. Right. Like we got to pay rent. We got to make the car payment. You know, we feel lonely or, you know, we want to get more friends or we have these things we want. But from a spirit's point of view, they're, I, I don't know. For me, a lot of the demons, especially when we, actually this gets into another topic, we talk about ascension and spiritual growth. What does that mean to push somebody? It could literally mean making your life hell, right? Yeah. Like from their point of view, right? Why would they do that? Because it's the only way to move you to a higher level of spiritual power is to put, to become nemesis to you, essentially in a way, like to, to bring about obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. From their perspective, maybe from their motivation, that's perfect because when you're done, you're in this place where you're in a much more, I don't want to say purified, because that, again, is the wrong word, because it makes it seem like um, I'm talking. Well, there's connotations to it, right? But it's, you're different. You're a different state of being. You're refined. Right. You have become refined through the crucible of what they put you through. And people would say, well, that's, why would you possibly summon something for that? But you wouldn't. That's not what you're asking for. Right, you you would summon the spirit to say, "I want a job, or I want this, or I want this," and the outcome is all these trials, where it's almost like the process of getting the job is so trivial, or uh, it's part of the process. Or, just, right, yeah. so like, it's just like there it is; it just falls into place because all the other things that were preventing it. Well, uh, it's kind of like. So, well, it, it's kind of like okay. So let's say. 
Yeah, let's see. You want like all the fame and all the fortune. They're going to start throwing issues at you to basically show you all of your weaknesses, all the things you need to work on, why you don't have what you think you want, maybe even show you why maybe you don't want it. And that's just to to basically wisen you up and get you to a point where if you really want something bad enough, you will work on those particular issues. And I say that because of my experience with Sorath, and we've talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there. You know it. He's like, oh. I'm convinced that Sorath, I won't name names, but I'm convinced that another author's, some of their problems came about by some Sorath. Is literally the, the daemon of the sun without constraint, and you know you you can close you can be so bright that even yourself believes your own lies. <laughs> yep. Like how how awesome you are, and then then it goes all goes down to hell. Drinking <laughs> your own Kool Aid. That, that's what it comes because, down to. Sort sort of sort of a rough one, like you know, along with Belfagor, you know, and Stephanie talked about writing a Belfagor book, but the Sorath book might be in the future. <laughs> I think we should. Let's, let's get back. Once I get back on my <laughs> feet, like with writing, we'll we'll get to get to the the Sorath book going because I think people, that's another one that has a lot of difficult connotations where people just summon that spirit, breaks them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Its motivation is simply put that if you're going to call me, it, I'm not going to say this is its motivations, but its motivations is if you can't stand the fires of what I bring, you shouldn't have called me. Mm -hmm. But if you can, you're worth talking to. And that seems like, what? That's its mo that's motivation? Yes, it really wants to communicate with people. It's a sun demon. What do you expect? If you can't be in the sun, stay out of the heat. Right. If you're gonna, if your wings are gonna melt, you should not have come so close to the flame. Doesn't yep. like that seems like a totally inhuman motivation to say it. Still, sort of seems very communicative. It it totally does. It totally seems to want to connect to magicians. It just doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. It just well because it's doing what it does. It's yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not hiding it. It's. I mean, it's the sun. It just, <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that sort of seems weird that its motivation might be to actually connect and communicate, and that's its motive. But that's a very inhuman motivation. Like it's just not. These things do not have human desires. Not in the classic sense. Yep. Now, one of the topics that we never talk about, but I think it's okay for us to talk about a little, is. There is such a thing as sort of book demons and then other demons. And the problem with other demons is that everyone in the general mass of society thinks that demons are common. I'm going to posit the opinion for everyone to discuss and debate that actual demons are rare. Uh, well, it, this is... demons in the world are walking around are very rare. Well, and I I'll remember leave it even we'll start, having that conversation with someone, and uh, it was literally, they're like, yeah, a demon attacked me. I'm like, what? What's your feedback that a demon attacked you? 
Like, give me the proof. It could be a law of other things. They're like, oh, no, it was a demon. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to have this conversation um, because you think it's a demon, right? It could be many other spirits, but you're thinking anything negative is a demon. Right. right? And that, 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 I won't say it's common healing circles, but I have seen that enough in healing circles where people just identify something that could be like a, could be the dead, for example, like, it's a demon. I'm like, what? No, this is clearly a dead thing. <laughs> right? right? So I don't, I mean, you know, I've learned off of Andrea. So in my experience on things, I don't think they're common at all whatsoever, unless you're fucking around, particularly for them to pay attention to you. That's a different thing if they start paying attention to you. Right. What do you think, Stephanie? What do you well, think? I mean, I think honestly, I mean, if you're using demon in the sense of malevolent spirit, um, I, oh, I, you know, I, I have some, some mixed views of this because I think, I think a lot of people who think they're being attacked by demons actually have like histrionic disorders where they just want attention because I have like, I used to do a lot of paranormal investigation when I was younger, um, be, you know, in my twenties and thirties. And oftentimes when we like got to like possession or, or um, a lot of paranormal cases, it often turned out to be either A, someone who just wanted attention or B, somebody um, building their own thought forms uh, from, from uh, usually hormonal states, um, really heightened hormonal states, generally teenagers. That's why they say a lot of teenagers, there's a lot of paranormal activity in cases involving teenagers and it's like are they is it really a spirit or are they creating that themselves and are they um i mean the human mind is is in a lot of ways not fully um understood even by science and so i mean is it possible that there's some sort of uh telekinesis associated with the spirit or have they pissed something off legitimately and something legitimate legitimately has come after them. So it really, really depends. I mean, cause there's different levels. There's an actual something, something that's coming after you. Okay. Because you probably you've done something you shouldn't have done or because maybe that's the only way you'll understand is if it literally knocks you on your butt. A really good um, example of this is I knew a guy who was um, a ceremonial magician and he had issues with alcohol and he stomped into his his temple one night and started shouting at a demon and the next thing he knows he feels a hand in his chest and he went straight on his back so it literally knocked him on his ass well i mean that's a particular thing where you did so, summoning it knocked right. you on your ass okay right so I, mean, that, so, I, mean, I mean so there's a physical thing like the demon's like hey dumbass don't don't get too big for your britches and maybe stop well, drinking i mean i think i think yeah i mean like you know, when you talk about like histronic disorders and identity disorders with that, um, most demonic possessions, believe it or not, uh, the people who get possessed are always Christian and the fundamental Christians. Mm -hmm. People don't understand the social context that it's, um, it's not looked down upon. Right. Like it's sort of like validation of your faith for the whole community. It's, it's a rite of passage. It's not, not quite a blessing per se. It's not like in voodoo where it's a blessing where you get demonic, you get possessed, 
by spirits, but it sort of reaffirms faith for the whole community when they have a demonic possession. So there's a social aspect of that. That's not to say there isn't an actual demon that might do that, but I doubt it, actually. Like, well, that's I sometimes the thing. have doubt. Well, like demons, I mean, seriously, if they're going to possess you, I would hope that they would have something better to do with your body than just shout fuck a lot and convulse. And, you know, spit pea green soup, whatever. Levitate. Yeah, big whoopty crap, you know? I mean, literally, you would hope they would have something they would need to perform in the physical world if they were going to possess you. Now, channeling is different than possession. A lot of people use those words interchangeably. They are totally have totally different meanings. Possession is against your will. Channeling is you are actually in Come control. Come on in! Right. Yeah, exactly. You're in. inviting them in. I mean, I mean, the, the situation with demons is such that, again, probably we're getting into another weird occult scare for a lot of those of us who are old enough to have lived through the 80s. We know what that was like. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's going in that direction again, at least in the United States. Um, at least I'm not the only one thinking that way And since you just kind of shook your head. Yeah. And it's like these demons have this sort of overwhelming idea that the... This is common. First of all, most malevolent spirits are probably not classically demons. They, mm -hmm. I think Zach's right. They are dead shards because we treat our dead horribly in our society that just have remorse, that cannot get through that. Or they're nature spirits that people have pissed off, like the actual counters, besides yeah. the psychological ones, which is the vast majority of, of all mm -hmm. cases. Although, the problem with this is once a person slaps a demon label on it, then you have to do some sort of exorcism to even resolve the issue when, like, in most cases, you could, even with a negative attachment or a malevolent spirit, you could just do Qigong to get it out. Or, like, Pretty some little hypnosis to, to slip it out of a person in, in, like, a half hour. But once you label it as a demon, you know, there's a certain mythology and power that you've gifted to that, that... Mm -hmm no demonologist would ever do they just think would think what what are you talking about like it is sort of like worship in a sort of way that i it's so powerful i can't do anything against it which is almost literal worship as that point it's not yeah or well that's placation right so of the point yeah. of powerlessness right because well because the minute you think that you're powerless against it you are you are what you think. And it's kind of like, you know, the people who have bad, ex sometimes they have bad experiences with, with demons. They go into the experience thinking they're going to have a bad experience. So it's almost like it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. They bring it yeah, on more, themselves. Yeah. More often than not, um, I think that is a great point. More often than not, the very people who have the issue with, well, we mentioned Belial, right? The very people who have issue with Belial are desperate for cash or something like that. And they went in scared, and then what they got was fear. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you could literally say, uh, you went in fear, fearful, or the very people were so desperate to try a demonic summoning or, or pay $5,000 for a demonic pack, which if you want me to make a demonic pack with you for $5,000, <laughs> Queen City Curio will hook you up. We'll literally tell you not to do that. But the little people will pay $5,000 to make a pack and have negative effects. Like, there's this principle of um, 
I don't know exactly what the cognitive term was because I forgot. But the more you invest, the less, the more you have to have some something happen, right? So like, mm-hmm. talk about the thought forms like we were talking before. If you pay five thousand dollars for a pact, probably something will happen because right. because you're so cognitively invested, you'll create the thought form even if there isn't anything real going on. Right. Yeah. I mean, on and on the flip side, I mean, we have worked with Bilal in the sponsored workshops, and people were like, one person, the memorable line is, how was that? Balls. Felt it in my balls. And we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it was generally considered a positive experience. It was a positive experience on that, right? Right. Um, Well, because it was so energetically in your face, like, mm-hmm. but that's what I would expect from an entity, Prince of Earth. It's just rock solid, right? It's right there. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, but if somebody went into that with fear, they get fear back. Right. Is that is that the entity? No. Right. Well, you have, so. yeah, you have to consider, you have to consider what the magician brings to the magic too. It's not just what the spirit's bringing to the working, it's what you bring to it too. And like I like, I, I tell people, <laughs> a lot of it's like cooking. Magic is a lot like cooking. You're adding your energy and your intent and your um, preconceived notions and all of that and your own fears and insecurities and all of those things into your magic and you're mixing it with that spirit energy. And sometimes you don't know what you're going to get from that. No. So now if you're more experienced, like there are methods through greater and greater trance to kind of cut down on those things you bring in or, or kind of get in the right state of mind and control it while going in and just not react. Or, you know, exactly that you're going in for one of those reasons. And so, you yeah, have, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're basically, I don't know, mitigating your expectations somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's exactly right. You're mitigating the expectations. I mean, sort of a lot of people kind of, again, kind of go back to TikTok. That's what they're learning, right? Like mm-hmm. this is negative happenings, but it's like, what is actually going on is a little more complicated. It's not just, um, you just like the wick, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean. Probably I, dates everyone here. Everyone laughed. Probably date us a little. The original <laughs> craft movie, right? Right. They do got a new one coming out. I heard a, re, a remix one. Oh, no uh, kidding. Why do they have to remake it, it already, everything? It already came out. It already came out? Oh. Huh. Right. And the. One of the like lead characters is 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 the daughter of the Downs girl. So it was the daughter of the girl who was bound at the end of the first movie. It's her daughter that is not the same sort of problems, but starts creating problems. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Huh. But they just get power and decide to put it all away, and and that it was too dangerous and not to have magic anymore. <laughs> we should actually talk about that because that yeah. gets to an interesting <laughs> point. No other field that I know of in occult stuff outside of people working with demons causes so many people to decide to just give up working with magic and become a Christian. Right. 
Now, granted, because they you weren't say that they were already, already Christian, but well, and that's that's part of it too. But I think a lot of people, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but we, I mean, we have to, to have to be realistic here. Not everyone has the same emotional intelligence or the same um, the same ability to look within themselves. There are some people who are very insightful and very um, introspective, and there are some people who are not. And I think people who are not introspective tend to generally do worse with magic overall. You have to be introspective. You have to see, you have to understand why what's happening is happening. You have to be able to look within yourself and to also see the bigger picture and all of these things and not be, and not be the victim and not, um, and, and I don't know, just kind of like see the parallels, see the connections. And not everybody has the ability to do that, I I think. So, I mean, really, there are some people who are called to magic and there are some people who are just doing whatever's trendy and um, basically doing whatever. It's more of a social identity or an aesthetic as opposed to something they're actually serious about. They're not seriously looking at their own evolution or their or bettering themselves or becoming the best they can be or you know being able to uh reach their full potential so to speak so or to find their great work and understand what that exactly means you know a lot of but people I just uh, I still yeah. find it a little odd that it's this particular style of magic that tends to get people to break the most. Now, I, I think I have a theory on that that goes back to some of our conversation. Like, mm -hmm. even half-assing it, not knowing what you're doing, um, maybe getting into a slight trance state or even a something, I think ringing the bell, they're willing to listen. And that's terrifying right. that something showed up. Right. Because they weren't expecting maybe even, it. Yeah, maybe even in some cases that it's easier in our, our current reality tunnels to actually get a demon to show up than a classical angel. I don't know. But for some reason, I think people go into this thinking it's a cure-all and something shows up and it terrifies them. Like, right. maybe it's just because because summoning demons is the, the big, big taboo like well, it could be a cultural art. thing. It could yeah. be a cultural thing. I mean, culturally, if you think about it, Western culture overall tends to view the demonic in a very Judeo-Christian way. And it does scare them. And a lot of them go to demons because they're trying to rebel against their Catholic upbringing or their Protestant upbringing or Pentecostal or whatever the heck they are. They're trying to rebel against that and go, oh, well, I'm going over to the other side. And so I do think people have more bad experiences because of that. And I do think it that's largely a cultural construct because I think if everyone was raised in a society or culture where we viewed the demonic as divine intelligence and you didn't have this good evil dichotomy that's kind of like, you know, constantly at war with, with each other it, and everything wasn't so black and white like it is in Christianity you would not have um, as many people having 
uh, such horrible experiences that they run back sprinting off to another spiritual paradigm as they do with like running back to Christianity. So I do think it's, it's, we can largely blame our culture for that. Yeah, no, I mean, just the conversation sparking. It's like, I'm even just thinking about like animes, which is a good personification of Japanese culture. You see a lot of goetic stuff. Like, I don't know how many Italian shows I've seen. A lot. Right? There's a lot. But they're not, they're not treated the way the Western demons are treated. Correct. Right. They're treated like gods. Correct. Like what we classically consider to be gods or nature spirits or, or, or probably the context that we're actually discussing. Mm-hmm. Which again, although there is Christianity in, in Japan, probably Buddhism is the, the dom, do, Buddhism and Shintoism is the dominant paradigmal ideas in the culture. Right. Um, again, and those spirits from the Goetia and other demon books do not. Even if they are a little bit um, adversarial, they still act. They do not act like the personification of evil. Mm-hmm. Right. They just, well, they, here's the thing is whether or not they're adversarial is based on our limited viewpoint. I, I always like to use the, use the example of, you know, if a mountain lion goes and, and finds a toddler and eats it, is the mountain lion evil? Or is it just doing what mountain lions do? You know what I'm saying? It's so it's just kind of that's demons just are. They just do what they do. And the perception of whether it's good or evil is on us, you know? You heard similar phrases to good and evil to clean and unclean. That's another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, very Christian metaphor, um, mm-hmm. or the fallen, which I got into a big argument about. Yeah. Maybe the fall is inherently Christian. I told it was not, but um, I'll just leave that one alone, right? But again, these are metaphors that come from um, kind of a different place than I think most demologists are coming from. Again, like we talk about divine intelligences, you know, or at least. at least something that is out there that does not necessarily share um, all of our human needs or wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which kind of gets to some practical things about working with demons. Like, um, because if you're going to summon them, you have to realize, I mean, it's not a human intelligence. Right. So, I mean, if someone was going to go out and summon a demon today, what would you have them do? First thing I would have them do is to, um, I always say, you know, spend some time with the the sigil. Spend some time kind of um, getting a feel for that demonic force before you actually work with them, before you actually summon them, evoke them, invoke them. However, whatever you're going to do, um, spend some time with with their correspondences, spend some time. um, I I mean, I I would say reading about them, but you know, historical history is written by the victors, right? So, um, so 
most of the stuff you're going to get about most demons is negative because it's all been written from a very Judeo-Christian viewpoint. So, I mean, I say, I always say the best way to find out how to work with them is by actually working or find out what they can help you with or what their nature is, is to work with them. Because for some people, you know, um, one particular demon may be really good at helping them with one thing, but for another person, it's something entirely different. Because again, you have that alchemical mix. You've got your your magician, you've got, got your spirit, and whatever happens when that energy is mixed together is very unique to each individual magician. So I I don't know. I mean, I think... I, I think what it comes down to is I, I, there's just, there's just so many factors that weigh into, into how demons are perceived, uh, what happens when you work with them. Um, and, and so I think really what they need to do is they need to, first of all, figure out why exactly they want to work with the demon. That's number one. Number two, uh, Become familiar with the sigil, become familiar with, with any history, if so, and then start slowly by maybe, um, I, I always tell people to vibrate the demonic invocation, whether it's self-made or it's one of the ones in a, in a demonolatry book or whatever, and use that until the vibration of the room changes and then just sit with that energy, sit with it, feel it out. What, it, what does it feel like? Do some meditation with that. Do some meditation with the demon and kind of fill it out before you jump into, you know, saying, okay, I want to work with you for this thing. Cause if you, that's just kind of like walking into somebody's house and going, Hey, I know that you Give do this. Yeah. I know that you do this. Can you get me a million dollars? And they're like, who the hell are you? You know, <laughs> there's gotta be some sort of, you gotta have some sort of. We've had, we've had that the conversation before. The slot uh, machine. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that, that goes back to the offerings. I mean, that's that's the uh, good guy with the offerings, or, or the good woman nice, with the offerings. The, the nice person the nice, with offerings. Nice right. person with offerings. Put offerings on, slot machine comes out, get what you want, and um, good luck with that one. Um, right. One, one thing I kind of wanted to, when we're talking about working with it, I mean, one of the things we didn't touch on was the aspect of you know, what if something is bothering you because you pissed them off? I, I think there's another third option, too, is that something might actually bother you because you could be interested. As in, as in they were already there and you probably forgot and they're trying to move you forward. Like, you know, or you forgot a working that you did when you were a teenager and then when you're adult, you can laugh like, about hey. this. I can laugh about because I'm thinking about myself, <laughs> as you know. You kind of half-ass the ritual when you're a teenager, and you're like, yeah, I, I'm in high school. I summoned a demon. But you thought nothing happened. And you're like, well, nothing happened. And then 10 yep. years later, the demon's there. Like, okay, Hello. you're ready now. Like, let's. Let's let's throw some obstacles or start bothering you because you're ready, um, right? You're re you're ready to listen now. Like you've you've gotten the point, mm -hmm. um, and people think that that doesn't happen, but I think that happens 
more than anyone would like to admit. It's because they don't exist in time. All they see is basically like, you're not ready at this this juncture. And then they see that, oh, now you're a light. You're ready. You're ready mm-hmm. to actually like to 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 work with me. And it, right. it seems like it comes out of left field, but it usually doesn't. Like that comes down to pissing things off. Might not be they're pissed at you at all. They might just be like, okay, you're stuck. I remember you, and you were you summoned me ten years ago, and it's time that I I get you out of the ditch or I get you out of this, and that that's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You might not ever be friends with a spirit like that, but it could save your life. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's that's true. I've I've had experiences like that too. So I think anyone who's who's practiced magic for any length of time has had an experience like that. So I mean, if they've well, at least if they've been doing it right, I guess. So just my my opinion. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I I mean, I, I don't think I don't think, you know, I. Yeah, you could go and just work with any demon without having a relationship with it. And I'm sure something could still come of that. I just tell people, if you want a really good working relationship with a spirit, you do need to, you know, spend some time with them and kind of fill them out and see if you see if your energy meshes with theirs, see what kind of feelings that brings up, um, what what wisdom or thoughts you have when, while you're working with that and just kind of get to know them a little. But People don't always do that. I mean, that's the whole card or the whole, the cold, hard truth of the matter is a lot of people don't, they just open up a spell book when they're 16, 17 years old and they do like all these rituals. And then they're like, Hmm, I wonder, you know, what's going to happen. And then nothing does happen. And then you're right. 10, 15 years down the road, they're like, well, it just hits them. And they're like, the Oh, flip crap. Side, the flip side of that is probably, uh, some of the spell books that are out now that basically are very much like go to the page, do the summoning, get what you want. And maybe they do work for a lot of people, but I think they work with consequences later. Right. But not. But it's on this line of consequences, not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I don't want to say the spirit knows you and it's like, where's the exchange? It's not quite like that because that's too human, but it's sort of like, the next time you run across the spirit, it remembers that. Right. It's not remembrance. I don't even know how to say it. Like the smell is the same. It's got your pain, something like that. Yeah, it got. It sort yeah. of understands you, or like yeah. I don't know how to say it because I have all human metaphors, but it's. It's a recollection of some sort. Yeah. Right. Right. It's almost almost like there's some sort of like like a like a record of all of that in there somehow. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, a lot of human behavior is very predictable anyway, if you are a behaviorist and you can see the type of behavior. So maybe they just kind of recognize that particular behavior too. I mean, that's a possibility. I don't know. I'm, you know. Yeah, we're at the edge of what we can, until we are not alive. <laughs> until right. we are not alive in a hundred years, maybe we're the demons people summon, we wouldn't actually know what the experience of that is. And if right. you do give offerings, you better know what we like. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, Zach, you know if you had offerings, you wouldn't do anything for anyone. Damn straight I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, 
I'd be like, are you resonating the room? No? Too bad. I ain't showing up. Try harder. Try harder. <laughs> Try harder. I, I like... When the room feels like correct, I will come. Otherwise, try harder. That try harder. <laughs> Get some basic energy skills. Then we can talk. Get out of here. <laughs> that means Zach. Zach is true a demonic force. You got to learn the basics before you summon someone like me. Get out. Zach, what, please. You, what? You don't Damn know Qigong? Get out of here. Well, that, you know, that helps too. I mean, we could go back into talking about foundation and how few magicians these days have that foundational knowledge. They don't know energy work. They've never done it. They don't understand correspondences and how all of those correspondences run through most Western magical systems. I mean, there may be variations here and there, but you learn those variations as you go. Um, there's a lot of commonality though. And once you understand how those, all those correspondences work, and once you understand the basics of energy work, it makes working magic a lot easier and it makes more sense in your well, mind. I don't even understand what the core, they don't, the understanding of the, I mean, they don't even understand what the, the, uh, God, the knowledge of the mind blank on the word. You just said it. The, the, the correspondences, um, residence. I kept switching to coefficients, which is just bad <laughs> in my head. It's just, all I could sit here was coefficients, coefficients, but it's not totally incorrect either. Um, yeah, I was doing machine learning all Friday and all this. Week it's all and, good, uh, man. It's all good. But a coefficient adds to a certain outcome of prediction, or in the case of a uh, you know correlation, there it, it basically the, the different physical uh, correlatives add to a vibration. People don't even understand that. The whole point of correspondences is to increase the vibration. They're not rock solid. They're not the end-all, be-all. Right. Like, as in, mm -hmm. you could summon a demon right here on the show with nothing except nothing. Not right. even the seal, if you can remember. Actually, you don't even possibly need the seal if you have a good relationship no. with the demon. You could literally right. just think hard enough. Mm -hmm. Um and it will be present that other psychics can be there because that's the vibration you're hitting the vibration of the core the correlate you're hitting vibration the correspondences through the memory of the correspondences or through the the you have a memory of the vibration that you mm -hmm. intensify through core uh you know those different things and again that's enough because mm -hmm. You already have the vibration. The whole point of those, I mean, this it's is to all learn the vibration. It's to get the vibrations in your head because it's like by only very few people can just do a summoning with no knowledge of the vibration. Like, but right. even then, I will tell you, the people who can do that are first probably pretty experienced, and if they're not, they have a natural gift. Second, they're try they have internal ask internal methods of um sort of vibration checking or um they have ways internally that they've picked up either through not probably not through books but maybe if you get my shape-shifting class maybe they have but of how to actually get the vibration right without the correspondences or right they're constantly they know how to constantly tune into the vibration but all of those correspondences, people don't even understand. That's about 
vibration and they, they don't understand about energy work or about, in some cases, they don't understand about, you know, why you have to work on this, the boring stuff, like focus and why it matters. Mm-hmm. Meditation. Oh, I guess so many people complaining about meditation. They're like, I can't sit still for more than five minutes. I've got ADHD or whatever. And it's like, you can still train yourself. I don't care if you've got mm-hmm. ADHD or not. You can still train well, yourself. To I will say a controversial focus. thing. I'll say a controversial thing. Okay. Lots of people have ADHD, right? And that is a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And so what? That just means maybe you start off with 20 seconds of meditation right. and kind of work through, you know, work up from there. Yeah. Um, it might take a little while, but probably in most cases I've seen people actually do that can sort of not get a handle on the ADHD. It's not like that goes away, but they can directly focus and overcome it because they've kind of trained themselves how, around their own physiology and their own um, their own issues. I mean, you know, that's that's it just takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. But that kind of goes back to the lifestyle accessory uh, yeah. kind of idea that you were bringing up earlier about that it's a I call it a lifestyle accessory that magic and it calls a lifestyle accessory, not a, um, a spiritual path. It's, it's a lifestyle aesthetic, not a, well, it's not maybe a not cultivation piece, right? Right. Sometimes, sometimes I wish we could get a group of seasoned magicians together for, uh, maybe one day a week to just get together and randomly pick a video anywhere that had the, you know, the aesthetic show, but no feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. And then make sure the person had a real spiritual impact. But I work with trickster gods all the time, and that's the kind of stuff they would do. <laughs> <laughs> or trickster goddesses, trickster gods, like crossroad entities, demons who are adversarial. This is all how they would roll. And yeah. <laughs> they would probably agree with me that this is this is a great idea. We could just have a Loki summoning session and keep doing it over Damn and over. straight. <laughs> but the reason there is because it's like, yes, there's a lot more. I mean, there are always a lot of lifestyle accessories with this, but even now it's becoming more common, right? It's a, And that's why these basics, these basics are boring. They're not mm-hmm. magical in themselves. Learning basic meditation can have a good impact on your your... Um, your brain and your whole, your ability to work and your ability to focus and even your ability to stay calm when all the shit's going to hell because, I mean, kind of every day there's more news that indicates everything's going to hell. Um, but not hell in the good way, like Damon's, like we're talking about, but hell in a... <laughs> in the bad way. Right. right like, hell in a Christian way. way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like hell in a Christian way, but or the I mean, Buddhist way. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, this is kind of one of the things that we're we're kind of getting, kind of talking about, is that all of that basic stuff you're talking about, even the stuff that you described, just sitting with the seal, is amazingly good advice. You know what it isn't? Hmm. It's not exciting. No, no, it's not. A lot of people do not like that. 
Because, I mean, once you learn the rules, once you learn the basics, you can break those rules in meaningful ways. Just like anything, you know, if you know what you're doing and you know that foundation really well and you've developed those skills that you need, the meditation, the focus, the energy work, you can manipulate those things in very meaningful ways. And you don't have to follow the book anymore if you know what you're doing and you know how you particularly work, how things with your body work and and all of that. And people just it, it is the boring stuff. I mean, I remember thinking it was boring back when I was a teenager, but I did it because in in some way, for me anyway, maybe I'm just a nerd. It was kind of exciting, kind of like, ooh, what what is going to happen in meditation today or Oh, if we do, because we we did energy work that was kind of exciting. Like uh, my teachers would do things like everyone would have to bring a random item from home and we would know the story of the item, but nobody else would. And she'd take them and put them, you know, randomly in in a bag and have everybody pick one. And then they had to sit there with it and then write down their impressions of what energy was in that. I'm yeah, you, you yeah. totally should. It's, it's, it is. And, it's really and we had to, yeah, we had to like, you know, write down your impressions and everything. And then you would go up and then you would read your impression. And then the person who brought the item would tell everybody about the item and they see if they kind of matched. And so she, they would do exciting stuff like that for us to like learn energy work, to like learn how to fill things out. And we did um, exercises where we felt each other's, uh, like energy field and to see if you could feel it and just all of those sorts of things. So it was kind of exciting and it wasn't as boring. The problem is, is nowadays, I mean, so many people are solitary. You don't have the options of like a lot of groups don't do that anymore. I mean, I don't know if a lot of groups did that back, back in the eighties or nineties either, but mine did. Um, So Uh, for the record, we do this kind of stuff at Queen City Cheerio in Toronto all the time yeah there you yes, go we do. find, yes, find we a place facilitate like... study. We, we could facilitate study groups in toronto if you want to kind of have that kind of experiential stuff uh, but we require masks so don't hate us <laughs> so yeah so i mean there's there's a lot of ways to make energy work exciting but if you're doing it by yourself it can be super boring but maybe i don't know find a magical partner to work with someone who has the same interest as you and try some of these different exercises. I would say that some of these exercises, even the ones, even the ones from my first book and some of yours can be done over zoom, uh, with actual effects. Uh, mm-hmm. people will get actual effects. I mean, there's a reason for that a picture or even a moving picture is, is basically a sympathetic link. Um, so if you just concentrate on the picture, uh, Generally speaking, you can get effects that do not, that are easily, not easily dismissed as merely psychological. So even with COVID, even with the uh, statements, if you can find some people who are interested on on Zoom, if you're not in Toronto and you don't want to come here to Queen City, you just want to hang out with people, I'll tell you, you can kind of do a lot of these energy exercises with people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the exercise that Stephanie was talking about with the, the grab bag, it's a little tougher, but you can't hold up the item and the person can kind of kind of get what senses out of it. Like so it can be adapted to even even if you can't meet with people in person. But it's still sort of modest exciting as the whole act of 
of some demon you know, sitting there with a key or something saying, hey, what vibes you get out of this? Like, <laughs> unless you're unless you're kind of a nerd, like, you know, a yeah, magical nerd, kind of, where it's yeah. kind of like, then it's exciting. Even even over the interwebs. I think that's even more exciting because then it can't be like um, in some ways that, that it, it, even it raises more interesting questions. Mm-hmm. As, a, as an engineer and magical scientist, me, it raises even more, more questions about what is going on here? Like, you know, why is this possible? Like, it shouldn't be easily accessible. So what does it mean? Not so much what does it mean in a spiritual sense. What does it mean in sort of a engineering sense of engineering well, reality it, sense yeah. of everything? Yeah. Right. So we got a little late, but start. But do you have anything come up that you want I, to plug, Stephanie? Well, you know, I'm working on a few things. Things have been slow this year. I've been doing this huge landscape project in my yard. So. The books are coming out slowly, but I do have one with uh, Shailen Gray uh, coming out called Four Demon Queens. And that should be hopefully by the end of the summer. We're really hoping, at least by the autumn equinox. Um, We're hoping to have that one out. So, and that covers Tezrian, uh, Delepatore, Lilith, and Hecate, I believe, uh, are the four, four demonic forces that we're working with there. And it's mostly just a grimoire with like different correspondences and different ritual work you can do with those particular demonic forces. Cause you know, we, we notice, yeah, there's a lot about Hecate. There's a lot about Lilith, but what about, you know, a few others. So, um, and then I do have a couple other books in the works, but I don't know when they're going to be released yet because I have a bunch of rituals to write for some of them and to kind of experiment with still. So I'm still working on that. Um, and it's been, like I said, slow going with everything going on. Um, nobody would say that you're, it's slow going compared to my book writing process. Or <laughs> no one could say that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. It's been since uh, when we when we did the project Spirit Keeping and Spirit Vessels. That was like how many years ago? 2016, 2017, maybe? Yeah, like I mean... Articles are easier for me to write than a whole book, but yeah. Right. Well, that, it's Articles easier like, are... when you have two people because mm-hmm. like, you're each doing like half the work. So you don't have to do as much work for like a whole book. Well, you Which... know, and then you could have people keep you accountable or beat you up or otherwise say, where's your shit? Where's your shit? I'll beat you up, man. Right. <laughs> you need a deadline. Now, Zach, well, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Two, working the two jobs... I figured yeah. that it was not too beneficial to uh, writing. I just don't have enough mental energy after uh, teaching data science twice in a day. I'm just kind of like. I get that. I get that. I, I have a hard time coming home and writing after spending a day doing like payroll and HR stuff. So I get that. Yeah, it's right. Because it's so much high level symbol work or mental energy that it's just hard. Well, I think it's all the math too. You do. I mean, well, I don't know if you deal with a lot of math in your, 
and your stuff. I deal with a lot of math in my like accounting kind of stuff. I help my parents help out on my parents' business. So a couple times a week, but even then on those days when I get home, I am completely and mentally wiped. Yeah. It's the math. It's the, um, programming is equally as attention to details math. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's all that. It's all that. So do you have any other new classes coming up or courses that you're going to start up? You know, um, right now I am focusing on my Patreon where I'm teaching a Goetia immersion class where it's one week per demon. We are already, I think, 27 demons in. We still have, you know, a lot more to go. We're not even at the halfway mark yet. But um, I think this week we're on Astaroth. And people can like join in on that on the Patreon at any time and just tack on demons at the end. Because when I'm done with the course, like the entire thing is going to be put into a PDF and people who are my Patreon will get that PDF. But I'm also planning on putting that into book form. So people who couldn't attend the Patreon class um, can also like buy a copy of it for their own use at home. And, or if they like, you know, fell off the bandwagon halfway through, because it is, it is hard to go consecutively for 72 weeks. Plus we're doing the four uh, Kings at the end. So you got 76, you know, if you add them in, so it's a 76 week class. And of course life happens and all of that happens and people fall behind. So, um, so I, I wanted to make sure that they had something like afterward to, to totally do it. But people, if they really, if that's something people are interested in, they're welcome to check out my Patreon. Um, and there's links to it all over my website. I can I can get you guys the links uh, later yeah. or put it in the comments later. We will put so. it in the YouTube uh, descriptions. And that um, we will. Finally, when we get the podcast, now that we've been inspired for our new, our new opening and everyone agrees on what our opening will be, the podcast will, will be coming back soon now that I have a creative idea for it. That's an awesome idea, so. Right. Our old idea of having red pill kind of went the way a little bit bad since since we use that metaphor. So does like all these people who are basically QAnon use the same exact metaphor for everything. Which okay, I guess I don't. I would think that's the opposite of <laughs> of the whole metaphor expressed in the Matrix or the intention of the. Wachowski brothers and uh, or sisters or combination of thereof. Sorry, but still, uh, yeah, it was pretty much become a right wing meme. So we have to change our yes, whole, we opening. Do. <laughs> <laughs> whole opening of our podcast, which I was not feeling creative about. But we have one now. We I have haven't sketched out what it'll be. That when you hear it and you hear it on the actual podcast. You, I, I guarantee you, I'll tell you what it is off when we stop um, recording and you'll laugh, uh, Stephanie. You'll, you'll be the first one to know besides Zach that, yeah. that what, what's, what it's going to include. Um, and you'll laugh. It's funny. But we're not going to say it out loud because we want to keep it a mystery. Well, you I won't say listen, anything. Right, you got to listen to the podcast yeah. to hear the opening, the new yeah. opening that's being worked on. So soon enough. But, Zach, we have a whole bunch of things coming up. What is the spiel, Zach? 
the spiel is we have our crown chakra workshop next saturday which is uh next sunday which is july 31st on things and then from there uh, for the sponsors, we are going to be working through the Western elements and then going to the tarot with enchantment and divinations. So that's the upcoming sponsor workshops. We also, every Sunday, are making things. So if you are a sponsor, you can chill, look, and ask questions about what we're doing with the magic. Specifically, that's more of a co-op for sponsors. Uh, we're also going to be in yeah, September. It's not a, work not a workshop. Yeah, it's not a you, workshop. You it's a co-op. <laughs> We happen to be making stuff for the store, you know, actually things happen, <laughs> things happen, yeah, you know, it's not so structured, like, yeah, uh, you won't be making stuff with the store unless you want to volunteer to be carrying stuff or doing stuff like old, old style yeah. temple work, but. So there's that, and then we're going to be in Toronto Pagan Pride, and we're going to be in Hamilton Pagan Pride. So, if you're in Ontario, come see us. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to be vending in the Hammertown. Yeah, we are. Hammertown vending. So, we're going to offer uh, divinations there uh, in Hamilton. I don't know if we're going to vend yet in Toronto. Mm -hmm. We have to kind of talk with people. Um, and we offer a full suite of divinations at the store. We have multiple diviners. Um, who are associated with the store. Uh, besides me and Zach, there are others. Uh, you start seeing them, like one person is uh, Kaliva, who works with the Medici dad, um, is going to maybe start divining here. And we have other people who are coming down as diviners for the store. Um, so if you're in Toronto, or not in Toronto, but you want a divination through the store, we've got some real high-quality diviners here. Uh, and they all have the same mentality, so it's not just a divination. Uh, that's not the way our store or everyone we associate works with. It's sort of a divination and life coaching at the same time to try to get you through where you need to be uh, and not just kind of answer questions like, well, I win the lottery tomorrow. It's more like more serious kind of spiritual divinations than that, which mm -hmm. we offer. Last thing is, is that, yes, we keep saying that both the Sangha is coming back and it is early in august we're going to announce the we're going to do the first ritual we're just getting supplies to be honest me and zach to be honest i'm not sure how to do a monkey king possession ritual i i know how to do a monkey king possession he knows ritual. how to do it there's a difference i don't know how to make it look showy so i have to study a little or i don't know how to make it look theatrical so that's a little different than just me and Zach doing a Monkey King possession ritual. Yeah, that, that's a little different than me. Like, yo, Monkey King, we, we got to make it showy. <laughs> Hop on in. Here I am. Boom. Right. Done. <laughs> that sort of goes with what we we're talking about today, but it is happening for the people watching who have repeatedly asked us, as Zach mentioned, as you have repeatedly, our sponsors have repeatedly asked for the tarot um, from our perspective. We will do that, um, and it'll be multiple weeks of, of, and the elements, the Western elements are basically your prerequisites for that. Mm -hmm. So if you're a sponsor, there's a workshop every two weeks. Not only is the workshop there every two weeks, we have 50 workshops from the last since we've started up again. 
all kinds of topics. Like you, pretty much Everything. anything you can think of, you probably could learn some real magic from the workshops about how to to approach it. Mm-hmm. So become a sponsor. It helps us keep the lights on for the show. It does. That's, that's 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 how it is. With that, next week we're going into our Buddhism trip. Yes, fun time. So we're going to be working with uh, Pierce Ogaro for that one, and that will be on his new book, Buddhish. Very good. Of course, those of us Queen City Curio, always stay healthy, stay well, and we'll see you next week. Everyone have a great night. Or day, if you're across the world. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole is sponsored by the Queen City Curio and Apothecary in Toronto, Ontario. Proudly in East Chinatown. Our store is at 607 Gerard Street East, Unit 401. Just take the elevator up to the fourth floor and we're right there. We carry the finest spiritual goods for all spiritual paths. Whatever you are into, we can help Check out our full public library of occult materials with over a thousand books. Accessible anytime the store is open. Check us out online at queencitycurio.ca. Be sure to leave a wish at our wish shrine right outside our door. You never know, it may just come to pass.